For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket, performance, transmission, and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car Pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Hey everybody, welcome back. WFO Radio is back on the air. And I know what you're thinking, like, you're late. You're late, we are late. We're an hour late today, but that's okay. We've got a special bonus. We were making it all work out, right? We got the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, gonna break down the Virginia Nationals. We're gonna have a good time doing that. Virginia Motorsports Park, wow. So happy to be back out there. Tommy and Judy Franklin hosting the place. So cool to see them. You come pulling in the gate. There they are overseeing everything. Just had a great time. And uh, we got it in. Most importantly, we got it in. How did we get it in? It rained on Friday and it rained on Saturday and we got it in. And we saw great racing and exciting racing. Kind of different racing with all those pedal battles out there on the racetrack and all that good stuff. And we're going to get into all that. But also on the show, Brittany Force today, right now, today, in like 20 minutes from now. Brittany's going to come on a half hour in, approximately. So if you're out there and you're expecting Reinhardt, you're going to get Reinhardt, but you're also going to get a little bonus Brittany Force. If you're expecting Brittany Force, you're going to get a little bonus Reinhardt. And I'm here all the time, regardless. We had our ignition show. Our ignition show is up on social media, it's up on YouTube. And it's don't expect this. I don't even wear a WFO shirt. I'm wearing sponsor gear or something, just chilling after a day of travel, battling it out in the airways out there. It was good stuff. Before we get to Reinhardt and we talk about all that happened, Matt Smith's great victory over Steve Johnson, that rivalry, my goodness. Robert Height, Matt Hagen, Clash of Titans. Brittany and Steve, what a great event. All the good stuff that happened. I got to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO like I do. The folks at Phillips Connect. Phillips-connect.com is the website. You should go on there and you should really do some research. If you're in the trucking industry, trucks, trailers, fleets, you know there's a lot of money back behind the cab of those uh, teams. And you've got to monitor it. You have to monitor it. It's a technology industry. And so you can see some of the sensors that are available to keep up with everything that is going on with your trucks and trailers. And the folks at Walmart and Amazon, giant fleets, are using Phillips Connect, but racers can use them too. So go to phillips-connect.com to find out more. And Justin Ashley was part of those wild pedal battles in the first round. Unfortunate for Justin, just blew him off. I asked him, was it a malfunction? Was, nah, just blew it off. But phillips-connect uh, is always there for you. Get connected with phillipsconnect.com. Total seal piston rings, the leader in ring seal technology. I will admit the racing is very different when pro stock is not there. It's just a different experience. And I miss pro stock. You know, no Hartford, uh, not out there, no Greg, no Erica, and all the great people of, of pro stock. But they'll be back in Epping in a couple of weeks after Memorial Day weekend. But what you can do in the meantime is go to TotalSeal.com, check out their rings, check out the podcast, and do a little research how to unlock that hidden horsepower. For instance, in Stock Eliminator, you are bound by the rules. You can't gas port your pistons. You're not allowed to do that stuff. Total Seal has a solution. Go to TotalSeal.com, find out more. Let's say you bought pistons that came with rings. 
and you've got rings and you've got pistons and you're like, they can modify the rings that came with your pistons. There's a lot of options. So go to totalseal.com to find out more. You already saw a little bit about VP racing fuels. Going to have Freddie from VP on in the coming couple of weeks between races. Now we got a couple of weeks. We're going to learn a little bit about VP racing fuels, why they're better, why they're different, but also VP lubricants. Camry Caruso, Titan racing engines using VP lubricants. And they went to the top the last time they were out. Going to be interesting to see how they do it. And if you are out there, you can use VP fuel additives if you want to support your favorite racers. And then, of course, FTI performance transmissions. You didn't have to go very far. Super gas winner, FTI. Just amazing how many .90 racers, big money bracket racers, are using FTI performance racing transmissions. From DeLand, Florida, Greg Samuel going to be on the show. Plus, Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. The Dragster Adventure, Marvin Rodax, coffeeandgrills.com with the hot sauces and spice rubs and everything that is great. And Sam Tech, for those of you looking for a job and a career in racing, motorsport EFI tuning, you just want to become a machinist, they can get you started off right. What's up, everybody out there? Let's bring on Reinhardt, who is not in his normal location. Parts unknown. Alan Reinhardt, what's up, AR? How are you? I am well. I am well. I am uh, in the second leg of my epic adventure that is going to stretch until i think june 29th before i go home again so uh just wait what get out of here june 29th really you're not out uh, that long cecil, are you cecil county this coming weekend division maple grove the weekend after that for a regional epping the weekend after that then lebanon valley for a regional and then um, bristol and then norwalk wow that's a lot that's a long time you're going to be on an epic adventure. Alan Reinhardt's hope, epic adventure. I hope Fluffy will still be okay when I get home. Yeah, I, I doubt. You got to let you have one of those robots that feed or something. We got everybody out there. Roger Richards was out covering the race with Comp Plus. He's out there. Ricky is out there. Derek is out there. Everybody's saying, what's up? Jim Essex is out there. Everybody just getting excited for Brittany. We have a little Brittany Force action today. Uh, I've got questions. I know you've got questions. But wow, how amazing. Like Before she comes on, let's talk about her. Right. What a performance by that team. And they're like, people should be afraid now because Brittany's leaving first and that car just right down the racetrack. Well, I think you should also point out that the reason we're late is because of the girl. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. So people are saying that Joe and I weren't late. We were ready. And, uh, you know, Brittany wasn't. So we had to we had to wait for the girl. That's it. Wait for the girl, which is fine. Okay, so people are saying I should turn up your volume. I'm going to try to turn up your volume because you're in a hotel and you don't want you yes. want to be kind to your neighbors. So I'm going to increase Reinhardt's audio by Check one, two, as three, much four, as five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, that's I all I got. Right. Yeah, of course. I, that's all I got, folks. That's all. You keep your level exactly the same. I turned you up, max. So that's it, folks. You tell me. Here's Tater Troyer, guys. Poor Tater. Boy, man. Oh man, that's bummer. <laughs> But That's something Troy, that never would have it never would have happened in the old days. Well, it made me it opened my eyes. For those that don't know, Anthony Troyer was stuck under the tower. I couldn't see him. He didn't get to run his race. I was wondering why. He told me later couldn't get the passenger window up. The window wouldn't go up. Power. I'm always talking about the power windows, Alan. That's like my big thing. Oh, these cars got power windows. Power windows. The window switch let him down. He missed a round. Because of the window switch. Maybe it was the driver's side. I forget it. Anthony, you tell me. But 
Uh, that's going to have a lot of people feeling a little panicky. Is that going to become a thing? Like, what's the uh, the service life on window switches now in these cars? Like, you know, 50 runs, swap out the window switches? What happens? Well, or, or just don't put them down. I, You know, it's interesting. That almost happened to me one time. Um, the car that I raced, Fox Body Mustang, that had power windows in it. And sitting in the stage lines, had the windows down just because it was a hot day in Arizona. And, and when it was time to pull up, the passenger window wouldn't go up. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And from being strapped in, I couldn't reach it. But somebody opened the passenger door, reached in and hit the button. And that switch worked and the window went up. So we had to go ahead and make the run. But I'm sitting there at my driver's door going, oh, come on. You've got to be kidding. But uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's something that happened. I mean, how often does a window switch go out? And then what are the odds that it would happen at that exact moment? It's just ridiculous. <sighs> Bummer. He says it was, he's never putting his windows down again. Which there you go. That'll fix it. There, 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 that will, that will fix it. But I don't know. I think you will on those hot days. You know, you're going to be like, I got to do it. Cause you do have oh, power just windows. Open the door. Just That's, open the door. Now, you know how I feel like in my firebird when I go to the airport and I'm going to through the parking garage. Like, I hope this thing goes back up, man. Cause I'm going to have to leave my car in the parking garage for five days with a window down. But um, back to Brittany before she gets on number one qualifier, you know, in, in Formula One, they call it like a Grand Slam or something. When you fastest lap, win the race on the pole, that was that kind of race that she got. Number one qualifier, both ends of the track record, won the race, left first in the final. This was maybe her most dominant victory. The only reason we might not say that is because she had a bye run in the first round. But just put some context on it before she joins us. Well, the reason she had a buy run in the first round because she earned it. So I don't think that takes anything away from what she accomplished. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a sweep, no doubt. And as you said, both ends of the track record, um, the the speed that thing was running was ridiculous. And the fact that David's had such a great handle on the thing uh, on Sunday because you know the, the qualifying runs were all made under cooler conditions, most of them under cloudy conditions. And then when the racetrack warmed up on Sunday, even though it wasn't, you know, not like it was 130 degrees like we see at Norwalk or some places in the summer from time to time, but it definitely was the hottest racetrack we saw, which I think had a big, um, you know, a, a big part of why we saw so much tire smoke in round number one. But that car just kept screaming down the racetrack was was pretty amazing. And I think there's two things. When the car's running like that, uh, it gives the driver confidence. And, you know, Brittany has made no bones about the fact, you know, last year she felt like she could improve to help her team and put some serious effort into doing it. And that the results are showing now, you know, she um, is having solid lights and consistent and doing what she needs to do in the car to win the race. Um, you know, it, it, there was a time when she would pull up and you go, okay, well, let's see here. You know, if the cars are equal, um, you're, you're almost favoring the car in the other lane because, you know, she was, notorious for leaving second, not necessarily always being late, but not being the first one out of the blocks. And you can't say that anymore. She addressed um, what she saw as a shortcoming for their team and, and has, has picked up her part of the game. And I think it's also interesting, you know, I spent a little time in her pit uh, talking with, with both David and Max Savage about just various things. And you can feel the confidence that they have in her when they go up to the starting line. And, you know, it just, it, I think when everybody is doing the job they're doing, nobody wants to be the one to let them down. 
And, you know, she has stepped up her game and it's made the rest of the team realize that now they want to make darn sure they're not the weak link in the, in the system either. And it's showing off with the way the car's running and, and the streak that they're on right now. That thing's amazing. Well, you know, you say that and we'll ask her about that. Uh, you know, the Capco team has won four championships in a row. And one thing that they've had that maybe others didn't have or certainly not as well as they have it was chemistry and camaraderie. Everybody knows the Capco team is like this team that, you know, loves each other and fights for each other and what Mama Kay and Billy have done over there and Bobby Lagana and all of that. Well, that's the vibe I'm getting from Brittany's team that uh, I spent a couple minutes there, too. Like, you know, all for one, one for all. They're feeling it. They are liking what they do. David has got an atmosphere over there where people seem to be having fun. I, I talked to, you know, Narciso, Nacho, and we were talking a little bit, and they were, they were all having fun. Like, this is their, yeah. their, their – they've gone to that next level. They've gone to another place with their program, and that is what is dangerous to the other teams. And if you want to compete with either of those two, you've got to get that. Problem is, it's really hard to get because you can't buy it. Yeah, you're right. You can't buy it. But it, you know, winning, winning solves a lot of problems. You know, if, if a team's going out and they're winning consistently, then, then that'll solve a lot of problems. You can look past a lot of stuff, but when the teams are struggling and they still feel that camaraderie, that's when you've got, you know, a good, solid, cohesive unit like the Capco guys do. And as you said, like, you know, Brittany's team right now really looks like they're in uh, that zone that, you know, they just, when they need good fortune, they get good fortune. When they need to be good, they are good. They're not making mistakes. Um, and and the car's just running great right now. So, you know, you, it's it's a classic case of, you know, everything's come together, everything's working right. Uh, it usually doesn't last forever, so you kind of got to, you know, ride the wave while you can. But you also look at, you know, Brittany and her team historically have not been real quick starters. They have, you know, kind of, hit their stride a little bit later in the season, you know, middle of the year towards the end of the year is when they've been at their best, you know, even last year, finishing second in the points. I don't believe they won their first race till Topeka and the car was running okay, but they, you know, didn't get into championship form until later in the year. Uh, right now they are in championship form early in the season. And if they can find another gear later in the year, so to speak, or if they can keep the momentum going, they're going to be very difficult to beat. Absolutely. And and that's part of what we're going to see. And uh, you can do well at the beginning of the year, but then it, it ratchets up. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So since Brittany's going to be joining us, first of all, if you're a fan of Brittany or John Force Racing, as she comes on, we encourage you to share the show. This is great because there are a lot of Brittany fans that are going to be like, oh, you guys talk drag racing on, on early in the week. And there's going to be Reinhardt fans that are going to be like, wow, Brittany Force. How about that? But let's talk a little funny car. Matt Hagen, number one qualifier, storms onto the final round. Robert Height. Similar situation. Robert goes through Wilk, Caps, and Tasca, setting up a Titanic matchup. That, and to me, like, that's as good as it gets. Proc versus Vanables, Hagen versus Height, two of the greats that aren't named John Force. And uh, it was a slugfest, and it lived up to the hype. It was worth the price of admission just that final round race. The crazy part was the Force cars sucked up until Sunday. I mean, I appreciate the analysis, Alan. Alan Reinhardt bringing the analysis, definitely. No, the nothing only, I can say. The only run Robert made to the stripe during qualifying that had a hole out. John never made a clean run during qualifying, but when the sun came out, the track heated up. It got a little warm and muggy. Those cars really came to life, which was strange. I mean, you know, I I don't believe anybody. 
that got, you know, John Forrest or Robert Height in the pool on Sunday morning was thinking, okay, this is us. We're going to the pay window uh, simply because the cars on Friday and Saturday did not show any potential for what they what they came out and did on Sunday. And then the fact that John made it to the semis uh, where he got run over by Matt, but it, he had a really good race car on Sunday and Robert went ahead and closed the deal. That was, uh, you know, it was just a real turn from Saturday to Sunday for the Forrest Funny Cars. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, John going a couple of rounds, obviously, and uh, just a, a fun day of racing out there. But when you get, uh, you know, Tony Stewart on one side of the racetrack and uh, John leaving on nothing, right? Like he always says he's got to get amped up. And there were some long trees. Torrance talked about some long trees and John was just gone. Uh, the 16 time champ couldn't hold himself on the starting line. But that tells that tells me everything I need to know. Right. Everybody's on the ragged edge of their performance. Well, when you're going up against Hagen, who had, you know, like Brittany, qualified number one, set the track record, was just tearing him up. Uh, you know, you go up there and you've got to be, you know, time to go, time to go, time to go. And sometimes your foot just says it's time to go before your brain does. Uh, you know, Steve Torrance almost did the same thing. Uh, he double stepped and was able to get away with it. But there was, you know, as you said, you know, the tree may have been a little long in some cases, but that's why there's a random in there because of the driver. You can't have the tree and for anybody that's a casual fan and doesn't understand there the tree doesn't fire at exactly the same time every time down the racetrack it from the time both cars are fully staged there's a random element in there uh there was a time when the tree always fired you know whatever it was 0.8 or something after both stage and drivers would start guessing i mean you knew it was coming you could just pull in and go okay now and hit the gas and so the random was put in there to keep drivers from guessing because if you guess now chances are you're going to guess wrong and sometimes it's a little longer than the other. And, and when you're sitting there and you're off the pedal on the high side, ready to go, and you're going, come on, flash, come on, flash, come on, flash. And at that point, you know, a couple of tenths of a second can seem like forever. And sometimes your foot just decides to go. And I think that's, uh, that's what happened in Steve's case when he got away with it. And then John obviously didn't. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, honestly. That uh, that these guys and girls are able to hold themselves back in such a critical situation, it's a it's a miracle that it doesn't happen more often. Uh, but in the end, though, it's uh, it's Robert Height, and they're having a good year. Robert Height is looking pretty strong. He and Jimmy Proc. And what was cool is I had a quick conversation with Jimmy and Dickie on Saturday night, and uh, you know, solving the world's problems, of course. And they meet in the final round. And the respect that they have for each other, they're two of the greatest of all time, crew chiefs. That, uh, you know, Jimmy told me in that interview while he was just kind of sitting around uh, after winning, they're self-taught. They grew up in the sport. They remind mm -hmm. each other of each other. And, like, that is a slugfest. I hope everybody appreciates it as much as uh, we do. Well, and neither one of them is ever going to be accused of being too conservative. You know, they both are the guys that go up there every time they go up there to try to run low ET, to try to set the record, to try to get everything they can get. Um, you know, there are crew chiefs out there and it's just different philosophy. You know, <clears throat> there are crew chiefs that go out there and want to take a more conservative, you know, want to make their parts last longer, want to make sure, make sure the car goes down the racetrack. They're, you know, don't want to go out, tear stuff up, blow stuff up. And I'm certainly not saying that Dickie or, or Jimmy Proc go out there, you know, intentionally going to, but they're not afraid to push it over the edge sometime to find out where the edge is. And when those two get together, it's, 
it was interesting to me that it was such a great race because when those two run each other, especially when you get into a final round situation where the pressure's on, it's not unusual to see one or both of them go over the edge because you look at, it's like, okay, you know, Jimmy's going, I know what he's capable of. And Dickie's going, I know what he's capable of. And it's not uncommon for those two to go head to head and end up with one or both of them smoking the tires simply because they went up and tried to push a little bit too hard. But uh, they put on a great race for the fans. And when it was all over with, you know, the scoreboard came on on Robert's side, which, you know, having with Matt playing a home game, he's from Virginia. And his dad was there. They had a lot of friends, family, business associates, people that were out there at the racetrack. They had Smithfield on the car for the first time. And Stan Smith from Smithfield was there with with Tony Stewart. And he's, I don't know, it starts with a C. I don't know, C-O-O-C-F-O-C, big big office in the corner kind of guy. And uh, it was his first NHRA experience. So, you know. He certainly had a good taste of what NHRA is all about. But getting into the winner's circle would have made it even that much more special. So you know that there was a lot going uh, on the Hagen side of the racetrack that they really, really wanted this. Not that they don't want every race, but there's always some that are special. And, you know, Robert still went up there, and, and he and Jimmy put it on him. Put it on him, exactly. And, hey, you know, first race, right? You got to – you gotta. I don't know if you should win your first race out. Like maybe your second race, but your first final, like you got to – can't be that easy, right? Like, oh man, this is easy. We just came out and we won. We don't need to do that again. We already like, did it. We won. Like we won McDonald's in 1992. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, wow, this is it. We champs. Hagen leads the points by 15 over Robert, but then a hundred point gap back to Caps, 112 back, and then uh, everybody else. Wilkerson is 10th. Blake Alexander, 11. Jim Campbell, Bobby Bodie, Terry Haddock. No Terry Haddock. No Paul Lee. This race. Terry said at the start of the year, everyone's been asking. Where's Terry? Where's Terry? And Terry Haddock told me, we're not going to do it the way we've been doing it. We kind of have showed everybody that we have the desire now. Now we're going to skip some races. And when we come out, try to be more effective when we come out. And so uh, I I assume that's what's happening with Terry. And I kind of assume that's what's happening with Paul this past week as they've got the new crew chiefing tandem. And they're just kind of working through the program, trying to be more effective when they're out. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Terry wasn't here um, simply because we had 15 funny cars and 15 dragsters. And so for him, you know, to come out and, you know, just make one run with one car and maybe work on another one, but knowing that you're going to have both of them qualified, knowing that you're going to get paid uh, for that uh, is normally a race that uh, that would entice him to show up. But, uh, you know, if he's got other plans in his schedule and he's not – you know, and he's not going to vary him, then I, you know, I certainly respect a guy that puts together a plan and sticks to his plan. So uh, I'm not sure when we'll see him again, but I hope it's soon. Yeah. And that's why you can't look at the weather report guys. Like all of you folks who I love, who are all like, no chance. I got so many texts now no chance. It's not happening. No way it's happening. This race is not happening. It happened every day happened. We got the whole thing in everybody watched and Friday we had cool stuff. I mean, it was very different. It was a different kind of race. But we got it in nonetheless. You know, you sometimes you go to a baseball game and you see a slugfest, 10-6. Sometimes it's one nothing. You just don't know what you're going to get. This was a different kind of race. Pro Stock Motorcycle, Angie, number one qualifier, has a crank sensor fail while leading Eddie. It just shut it down. That's it for Angie. Matt goes on, beats Eddie, gets to the final round against what is got to be his arch nemesis, Steve Johnson. And in the final round, uh, gets off the starting line first with 
you know, Smithisms, right? Like got tricky like Ricky. Started, uh, he made Steve start first, and then Matt staged first and double bulbed him. And, you know, did that throw Steve off? I don't know. We got to talk to Steve. We'd have to talk to Steve. But the numbers don't lie. Matt Smith won on a massive hole shot and got his first win on a Suzuki going way back. This was a big deal for Matt Smith. Big win. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a classic case. Steve would give anything to have that run back because, you know, I don't care how you slice it. How you, he messed up. It's as simple as that. And whether it was Matt getting in his head or whether it was just, you know, him overthinking it or whether it was him flinching, or it doesn't make a difference. He messed up. And one of the great things about NHRA is simply that you don't get another chance when you do that. You know, you, you can't go lap down and then come back. You, you mess it up and you're done. Every round of sudden death. So uh, I'm sure that, as I said, he would love to have that one back. Um, he'd never won three in a row before, and that was a pretty good opportunity. He certainly had the motorcycle to do it. But I also think if you're Steve, you better learn the lesson and make sure that, okay, when this happens again, the next time I have to race Matt or the next time, I need to make sure that I don't let this happen again. And I don't believe that, you know, starting the motorcycle first or second really does, you know, Steve's got his routine and normally he starts second and he's got a fairly quick routine. So the reason he does that is, you know, not that he's trying to hold the other person up or hold hang the other person out, but his routine is fairly quick. And, you know, you don't ever see anybody sitting on the start line looking at Steve going, well, 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 you coming or what? Uh, more often than not, even starting second, it's Steve that's doing that. But Matt figured that, you know, I'm going to make him start. I'm going to, okay. There still wasn't like the timing was way off. You know, Matt fired his bike up right away and they both ended up there at the, at the same time. Um, but I think that Steve needs to learn the lesson from that. And I really think he will. You know, if there's one thing that Steve has done over the last couple of years, it's learn. Um, you know, he's put together people that he can talk to, people that he can lean on, places he can go for advice or guidance, whether it's for engines, whether it's for, you know, bike setup, whether it's for whatever. Um, and I think that he needs to sit down and go, okay, this is what happened. I need to make sure that doesn't happen again. And whatever he has to do to make that happen, um, I think that's something he needs to do. You know, uh, you know, go read Luke Bugacki's column in National Dragster about, you know, there's some people asking, did you stage first or second? And he said, I don't know. So yeah. I don't pay. I do my routine every time, um, kind of like John Forrest. John does his routine every time. Now he's his routine is a little slower on the starting line than most people, and that's why you know when you're racing John, you just know okay he's going to be a little bit long. But if you're racing John and you want to go in second, all you got to do is wait a second and he'll go in. I mean it's not like you know I absolutely have to do. I, I'm going to do this every time, and if it ends up with me being first, that's fine. If it ends up with me being second, that's fine. But I think you need to, you know, get into a place where, you know, you just block out the other side of the racetrack. And, you know, I said on the microphone when they're coming up there that, you know, Matt knows he's at a performance disadvantage. Matt's going to have to try to do something. Um, now, as far as staging battles and burndowns and all that stuff, there have been some epic ones over the years. And my feeling has always been, you know, Joe, if you and I are racing each other and you've got me covered by 300s, so I go up there and go, okay, well, I'm not going to stage first. I'm going to burn him down. If you fall for that, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have the fastest machine. And I can't play the game if you don't. 
So if you go up there, you do your routine, da, 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 we pre-stage, you go in, and then it's just like, come on, I'm ready. Well, and Trying to reel somebody in on a deal. We saw it in Pro Mod with Chris Thorne, and this guy had the fastest car, and he had a shot to win the first three, and then he got into it with Ricky Smith, which is a mistake because, uh, you know, Ricky is Ricky. And Ricky got him on a whole shot. And it's, well, no, it was a red light, a 1,000 red light, right? When the guy goes red after getting into it with Ricky and that adrenaline coming up, like, oh, burned out, Ricky's been, ah, 001 red. And, you know, again, I wasn't in there. I didn't, I'm not saying that's the reason, but when standing on the starting line, I sure felt like it was a mistake to get into a burn down with Ricky Smith. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there's, you know, they can't do it. You know, Ricky was going to be slow. Ricky was doing his purge. Ricky, okay, fine, whatever. But, you know, so what? And I don't know in Chris Thorne's case because he had been pretty consistently good on the Christmas tree and missing it by a thou. I don't. Sure. You know, I, I don't know that that's a big mental fold. You know, if, if you go up there and your light's 150, then okay. Or if you go up there and like John did, where you just go up there and decide to leave when nothing's going on. Um, but, you know, missing it by a thou, I don't. I. I think you just kind of put that behind you pretty, pretty simply. Um, Steve, on the other hand, you know, screwed up and he knows it and he needs to get a spot in his head where he just goes, okay, look, identify the problem. Don't do it again and move on. The race craft of it all, I think is, you know, like, oh man, how am I going to compete with this guy? I got to get a fast bike. And he did, he got a fast bike and he's won some races. The next level is, racecraft and learning that kind of stuff like not being rattled or shaken by that and maybe this is a lesson that'll pay dividends later on in the year but you know we had steve on a couple of weeks very entertaining interviews you know we get along with everybody right we've got to stand back and kind of watch watch the kids fight it out on the playground and see what happens but in the media center matt said something like we did steve was steve steve were you motivated by matt saying that to you years ago steve said no and we talked about it in the media center and Matt responded. Let's see if I can put it up. Stand by. Let's just put it this way in a nice perspective way is, you know, that what you asked him there that I motivate him. And he said, no, you know, that was a bold faced lie. I mean, because the guy's been doing it a long time and never done his own engine program ever. And there you have it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's professional, but it's chippy. There's, there's a most that was what four years ago, Alan, that you had them both on the stage at Charlotte talking about the. Was it that long? The hob- well, with the two years of the pandemic, we're in the middle. So yeah, yeah I think it was. Maybe it was. Well, and and I've said since you know I really think that Steve should send Matt a Christmas card for, you know, opening his eyes to the, you know, to the realities of, you know, the people that are putting in the work are the ones that are getting the wins. And for Steve, uh, he was just never that detail oriented. He was never the guy that, you know, that went down that path. He would get his engine from Vance and Hines. He'd put the engine in the bike. And when it was time to race, he'd go race. And then he'd go back and, you know, sit down and have a soda or go find lunch or go do something with, you know, hang out with the fans. Or, But he wasn't really putting in the work to make his bike faster. And, you know, the the realization that, you know, he, he would walk through the pits and watch everybody. And Steve and I have had this conversation. I'm not saying anything that, you know, right. I'm not saying anything behind his back that we haven't talked about face to face, but you know, the realization that, wow, look at those guys are, you know, they're still up at 10 o'clock working on the bike. Why would they do that? Cause, cause they want to win. 
And, you know, now that Steve has taken all that high energy and focused it on making the bike better, making the bike faster, making the adjustments in between rounds, keeping up with, you know, the weather and the racetrack and the other stuff and making the adjustments and, tr and putting in the work, all of a sudden he's got a fast motorcycle. And I don't know that that switch ever would have gotten flipped if it hadn't been for what Matt said. And, you know, and I firmly believe, you know, Matt didn't mean it like Steve took it. Steve took it as a, you know, just an insult that, you know, right. and, a slight, you know, what, what Matt was saying. And, and again, Matt and I have had this conversation. I'm not putting words in his mouth. He's told me this, you know, point blank. And he said it to other people as well. I race for a living. This is how I put food on my table. I have to win races, be successful, do things because that's how I pay my rent. And for other racers who don't pay their rent with their racing, who have a job in the, on the other side of the world that, that affords them to come out and race. And, you know, he certainly wasn't saying they don't want to win. They're not trying to be competitive. He was just saying, this isn't their profession. This is kind of their side hustle or their hobby, whereas this is my profession. And I say Steve took that very personally, but I think, you know, Matt, Matt stood by what he said. And, you know, I understand what Matt was, was trying to say, which wasn't to be insulting to anybody. He was just pointing out that, you know, there's a difference. There's a difference between John Force racing funny cars and Paul Lee racing funny cars. John Force makes his living by racing funny cars. And by taking care of his sponsors and by making things happen, and that's how he makes his living. Paul Lee owns a number of different businesses that afford him to go racing. Now, when they get to the racetrack, does Paul want to win as bad as John? Certainly. Does Paul put in the effort and it work as certainly? But that's not Paul's bread and butter, and it's just a different approach. All right, uh, Brittany Force just seconds away. If you're a fan of Brittany, share the show. If you're in one of the John Force Racing fan groups, share the show. Brittany is coming on in a couple of minutes. I just got the uh, couple of minute out text. Uh, let's talk about some of the other winners. Obviously, uh, in in uh, Pro Modified, Tyler Miller, first round win. <laughs> I got four of them, and he won the race over his like mentor, team yeah. owner, Tricky Ricky. That the kid was holding back tears. Uh, we're going to have him on at some point. That's a feel-good story right there. Like, how do you not love that? No, I thought it was great. I thought it was also very interesting that, you know, the two nitrous cars met in the final with, uh, you know, all the other power adders that were out there battling it out. But uh, Ricky had a good car, and, you know, Tyler's car is Ricky's car. It's Ricky's old car that he is, I don't know, renting, leasing, stole from him, whatever. Uh, but they both come rolling out of the same trailer. They both had basically the same tune-up. And then, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, anybody thinks that Ricky was trying to give that kid something doesn't know Ricky because I don't think he would know how to do that in the first place. Uh, he's too competitive. And second, Ricky went up there with that thing loaded up and rattled the tire so hard that it knocked him over the center line and he knocked down a couple of blocks and you certainly wouldn't do that purposely. You know, why would you go out and tear up your race car? So, you know, I think if I'm Tyler, I'm that's, that's a special one, you know, for a number of reasons. As you said, first ever round win, and then he goes on to win the race on the same day and to beat Ricky in the final. You know, Ricky is the most successful pro mod racer in NHRA history for all of the other stuff that he's done. He's won more races and championships in NHRA than anybody else with a pro mod. So for a pro mod driver to beat him, I mean, that's like winning your first top fuel race against Schumacher or winning your first funny car race against Force. You beat the guy who was the most successful in the category, and, uh, and it just makes it special.
Absolutely. JR Car One Mountain Motor Pro Stock, Bill Skillman in Factory Showdown. We've got an interview up from his last victory up on our YouTube page. So YouTube, WFORadio.tv, another reason. Top Fuel Harley was Ty Tharp, who actually got eliminated and put back in, which was kind of cool. Top Dragster, Robert Houston. Floridian, Frank Altilio, Super Gas winner, John LaBoose in Super Comp. Jeff Longany, his first ever stock eliminator win. He was so happy, Alan. It was amazing. Super Stock, Mike Letelier. Uh, David Eaton, WFO listener, David Eaton in competition eliminator. was just great to see everybody very emotional down there. Everybody uh, fired up about their win. We didn't get to do it the way we normally do it in front of the crowd, but <laughs> there's David Eaton with that wicked A-altered planetary. That is an amazing comp car, and he got the job done. Yeah, that is a pretty amazing car, no doubt about it. It's a, it, it's a handful. And he's got the thing fairly calmed down. You know, normally those big, high-horsepower, lightweight cars uh, can be a little finicky, especially when you get it out on a hot racetrack. But he's certainly got a, got a car that looks like it'll go down just about any racetrack and had a solid weekend. It was the worst thing about it, and you alluded to it a little bit. You know, I hate when weather and circumstances and make us finish the sportsman after the pros because the moment when we get to bring them down on the return road – and one thing about the Virginia fans, you know, they don't leave the stands. No. You know, there's a lot of places that, you know, when the nitro cars are done, it's almost like, you know, you can hear crickets in the grandstands. But the Virginia fans really are good at hanging out in the stands and watching everything that goes down the racetrack. So they had the stands pretty full when we ran the pro finals. And it would have been so special to have, you know, Longany and, and anybody that wins the first one especially to come back in front of the full grandstands and tell the story. That's just a, that's a really special moment. It was interesting, too, that there were a couple of guys there that defended their championships, that won the last time we were there. They had won back in 2019 and then came back and, uh, and were able to, to defend. So yeah. that doesn't happen very often in sportsman ranks, especially when we take a three-year hiatus. Hi, Dent got to the final round. He, you know, he yeah. lost in the final, but my goodness, what a great day. But, hey, listen. Uh, Brittany is signing on momentarily. So if you're a fan of Brittany, where's Brittany, Joe? You're stringing us along. Don't worry. I, I'm feeling confident we're going to get Brittany. But we got it. It's going to work out great because we'll talk to Brittany and then Reinhardt and Brittany will get out of here and I'll talk to the listeners. But this guy, this guy stole the show. Spider-Man McBride. I'm so proud of myself. We had him on last week just hanging out. Got made sure everybody got to know him, his personality. Cool dude. He shows up with the WFO sticker. Look at it on the wheelie bar, everybody. The WFO logo is on and was on the fastest motorcycle drag racing run in history, 268.31. And that thing has gone around the world now. That was the single most covered run of the weekend on social media and on the Internet. Uh, epic. And he was treated like a star celebrity by everybody there. Yeah, and again, a shame that we never got to saw him run a third time. Yeah. You know, he and, and Dave came in to do a best two out of three. Uh, Dave won the first one when Larry had drive belt break and made a solid pass. And then Larry won the second one when he put up the 268. And we never got to see the third run simply because weather and circumstances um, forced us out of business. You know, I, I spoke to him. I know you did, too. He firmly believes that 270 miles an hour is very doable. Um and wanted to come up there and show it. You know, the being the fastest in history is a beautiful thing, but it's the milestones, right? They're like the first to go 250, the first to go 260, the first to go 270, and uh, that 270 mile an hour. When when he does it, and he will, uh, that'll be a big one. It would have been really cool to see it in front of a packed house at Richmond. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to. 
well, let's make it happen at the U.S. Nationals or something, right? I think that the it'll uh, happen before then. Okay. Well, exactly. They each got one. It was so well received. People within the NHRA, maybe not every single person, but were jazzed about having them there. And I think this was a uh, a good test. Like, all right, let's do it again. Let's do it somewhere else. And Dave uh, Van Tine, great guy. We talked to him on social media. You can go find that bit on NHRA's social pages. But they were rock stars out there on the starting line. Torrance is there. Everybody is there. Everybody was watching. They, uh, it's just that we couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't run them again. There was talk of trying to do it at, as the last run down on Sunday, but we just couldn't get it done. We couldn't get it all in. Yeah, and I said that's that's really a shame. Hopefully, uh, you know, NHRA will have them come back out. I think that, as you said, they were very well received. I think the fans really enjoyed having them there, and I think they put on a whale of a show. So hopefully, that's something that we'll be able to do again at some point in the not too distant future. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I spoke with. Uh, we ran around doing some attention in the pits. Just had a great time. Tommy and Judy Franklin. Let's talk about those two. They uh, we hadn't been there for a couple of years. And they, they're, he's, Tommy's an electrician, right? He's not like some multi-gazillionaire who just bought some property. He saved this track as a labor of love. And they did such a great job at that facility over the course of the weekend. I forgot the sound system. I forgot about the lighting system, the LED light show and the flashing of the music and all of that stuff. The campground on the right-hand side I thought about encouraging everybody to honk their horns when their favorite driver won, but I decided to not annoy everybody. Um, Good just, call. Yeah, what a great uh, facility. It is, and uh, it was it was great to go back there. You know, for all the years that we had been there, you know, you you make friends, you meet people that are that are local, and to not get to see them for a couple of years is a bummer. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to going back to Seattle this year after we haven't been there in a couple of years. But no, Tommy and Judy went uh, you know way above and beyond to put you know, to give us a great facility. And even though Mother Nature certainly wasn't kind to, you know, do whatever was needed to make sure that we could get the race run, we could get the thing completed. And uh, and I think the fans, uh, the fans certainly got a heck of a show out of it. Absolutely. Got a couple questions earlier on. Of course, we're waiting on Brittany. She is uh, signing on as we speak. She is not at home. They're not in the John Force studios. So just kind of dealing with some issues out there. But we will get her on one way or another. But uh, someone said that, um, earlier on in the question and uh, period, uh, they put a comment in the comment section about Mike Salinas. You didn't see the TV broadcast, but Mike Salinas basically gave Alan Johnson credit for the initial tune-up, but he said that they're making it better, that the recipe is being made better by Rob Flynn and, and what they do. And, and so these folks were like, wow, that's kind of a bold statement. What do you think a little bit of, of, about that, about Salinas and uh, you know, just kind of the way that they're so many out there have taken the base Allen Johnson tune-up and made it their own. Maybe not better. Who knows what that would be situationally, but their own. Well, we've talked about before the fact that, you know, when Allen goes to a team and, and leaves the team, um, I don't know that he's ever left one on bad terms. You know, they leave the notebook. They leave, you know, all the information in the computer, all of the stuff that, you know, this is how I've been running the car. And if you want to pick up from here and go, go. If you want to come in and scrap it, you can certainly do that. And in Salinas's instance, not only did Alan leave all of his information and all of his stuff behind, but remember the entire crew stayed. You know, Alan and Brian went to Michigan, went to, to Kalitas. 
the crew guys though who all live and have families in indianapolis didn't want to relocate to michigan which would have been a requirement to work for the colettas if you're going to work full-time on one of their cars you've got to live in michigan that's where their shop is so mike salinas brings in rob flynn to oversee but he still has the entire nucleus of that alan johnson team and those are some smart guys you know let me tell you when alan johnson hires somebody to be on his team he doesn't go okay you know how many of you guys got d's in high school because those are the guys i want on my team you know how many of you guys are dropouts how many of you guys are he hires sharp people to do specific jobs very well and all of those guys are still there so even though alan and brian have moved on the nucleus of the team and I think Rob Flynn is smart enough to understand that, hey, if he's got a guy that's worked for Allen for five or six years that comes up and says, hey, I've got a suggestion. What do you think of trying this? Or what do you think of maybe making a little tweak here? I think Rob Flynn is smart enough that he is going to take that information, decide whether or not he thinks it's a good idea, and then act on it one way or the other. You know, if I've told people all the time, you know, everybody thinks, well, you know, the cars are all the same, the parts are all the same, they all run the same numbers. Well, if the cars and parts are all the same, then a guy wouldn't need to have three or four crew chiefs, right? John Force could have one crew chief and just, okay, rubber stamp all the cars and they'll be perfect. But everybody does stuff a little bit differently. And, you know, Rob coming into a situation where he's got a great base to start with and he's got great personnel there. He doesn't have to train any crew guys. He doesn't have to, you know, double check and make sure that, you know, if I told the guy to put two grams on the third finger of the clutch, that he didn't actually put it on the second finger of the clutch. And so that frees him up to start paying attention to details. And Rob's a sharp guy. He's been around a long time. So, you know, and I, you know, I think Mike Salinas was very bold in his statement when Alan left. He said, you know, this ain't the last of us. You know, a lot of people were writing him off and he said, we're going to be fine. We're going to be good. We're going to be players. And they certainly are. Absolutely. They are. How do you think these teams are going to use this uh, couple of weeks that we've got uh, this weekend, I know there's obviously divisional racing. You'll be up at Cecil County. Uh, then, of course, Memorial Day weekend, which the Indy 500, Brittany is going to be going to the Indy 500, obviously, um, to support Graham. And, and that's going to be very interesting. Um, but then we're off to Epping, New Hampshire. We're going to go see those fans. So a couple of weeks, Pro Stock will be back. Erica Ender is going to be joining us on the show, by the way, guys. How do you use this time, Alan? Is it disconnect? rest relaxation is it personal time or are they gonna you know in formula one there are updates drag racing there are no updates just refresh and maintain so how do we uh how do we use these two weeks to get better you know i think it depends i think if you're robert height if you're matt hagan uh if you're Brittany, uh, you know you, you give the guys a little time off you know they, they've earned it let them uh, let them go kind of relax and, and enjoy some time with their families i think if you've been struggling then you go back and you know maybe maybe you build a new car maybe you field strip the one you've got and start trying to figure out what is it that's got a snake bit here um and you know there's always the work going on in the shop as far as you know organizing clutch discs and going through parts and building inventory and freshening up the stuff that you may have wounded over the last couple of weeks and just making sure that when you pack the trailer up and head for epping that you're ready to go racing in epping but i think that everybody will probably find a little bit of time off and you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting from a mental standpoint, right? If I'm Brittany, I don't want two weeks off. Let's race again tomorrow and let's race again the next day. And let's race again the day after that. If I'm Hagen, I think the same way, you know, how, why do we have to stop? Let's, you know, let's get rolling here. On the other hand, if I'm Tim Wilkerson, who has just 
had some bad luck and some bad fortune or been in the wrong place. And, you know, everything Tim does seems like, you know, hey, Tim, congratulations. You know, you qualified in the number four spot. Who do you race? What, what do you mean? You know, what, what do you mean him? What was he doing or she doing down there in the 13th spot? Uh, I think if you're him, it's, you know, you got a chance to reset, right? Let's just go home, erase everything. We'll come back out at Epping and start over again. You know, when you're, when you're rolling, you definitely want to keep rolling. And when you're struggling, sometimes the best thing you can do is just back up for a week or a couple of weeks, catch your breath, and then come back out and try again. All right. We've got her. We've got her, guys. That's it. <laughs> Brittany Force, <laughs> you going to hang in for this one, Alan? Sure. All right. We're going to hang in. But all those John Force Racing fans out there, now's the time to share and retweet the show. And we got Brittany. Here we go. Brittany Force. Thanks for having me. I, we're thrilled to talk to you. I got Reinhardt. Is that okay? I'm sorry. Well, I guess we'll allow it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Reinhardt's family. Reinhardt's <laughs> family. Hear that, Reinhardt? Your family. Well, I, we we do go we do go back a long way. So yeah, yeah. By by the way, uh, Brittany, Joe at the beginning of the show told everybody that we were late because we had to wait on the girls. So just so you know, he was blaming you. Well, right off the bat. I was. Um, <laughs> in just like my father, I don't know how to do this stuff by myself. So the tech stuff. I, the tech. Trying to figure this computer out. We had everything set up, ready to go, and then of course we get on a test. I test with our PR girl, Sarah Slaughter. Everything's perfect. Then I connect to you guys, and no, she's on the phone talking me through everything. But I'm yeah. here. Hey, you, you gutted it out, right? Like, that's what matters the most. We got to extract all the data about the race, the Virginia Nationals, and now we're going to finish off with you. Just felt like it was a dominant race for you, it, it, like a grand slam, right? Number one qualifier, both ends of the track record, storm to the final round, leave first in the final round, win the race, take home the Wally. This is That was domination of the field out there. You've had a little time to think about it. So tell us when you look back big deal thank you it was an outstanding weekend for our team um to be able to return to virginia after you know being gone since 2019 a couple of years and to be able to return in such a big way doubling up with robert height and his auto club team and then getting our flavor pack team in the winter circle it was just a great weekend start to finish uh number one qualifier and then you know being able to turn four wind lights on and with the exception of first round um Consistent runs all day. Alan? Do you sometimes get out of the car, look at the time slip, and think to yourself, how does he do that? Because yeah. i got to tell you, I sit up in the tower sometimes and go, how does he do that? As, as many times as I've watched it happen, it's like David Grubnick is just amazing right now. He and Mac have got a real handle on that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all, every time we get out of the car on the top end. Um, you know, we, we have a team meeting before and, and set a plan in motion on what we want to accomplish and what number we're looking for. And then we go out and he typically always hits it. But the funny thing is, is, I mean, second round, third round, I'd come back and like, wow, that was an awesome run. After coming back from first round where we couldn't get down the racetrack and then we go into second round against Langdon, I'm watching everybody ahead of us. You know, it's just everyone's pedaling the car. And I thought this thing's going to be a pedal. It's just going to be a pedal fest to the end. And our car just went straight down there. I'm, I'm hanging on that steering wheel going, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Nothing, you know, it's solid run. And I came back just pumped on the run. He's like, mm, we did okay. And I'm like, really, Grubnick? So that's Grubnick. He always, um, he, he's, he's absolutely incredible. That's why I actually, um, you know, at the top end in my interview, 
um, you know, mentioned him. I always do in my interviews, but I uh, gave him the Wally, gave him that trophy this weekend and gave it to him in the winter circle. So it was pretty cool to do. Yeah, that, that was a big deal. And we started off the show talking a little bit about that camaraderie that you have built. Like th that's what separates the championship teams from the teams that are just good. There are guys that are working on nitro cars and there are people who are living the experience and they're in the fight. And it seems like what's happening at your team right now is that one for all, all for one, having fun, even in, you know, a lot of good times right now, but kind of talk a little bit about the character of your team. Um, it's an incredible group. I've worked with a lot of teams and something about this team is just different. And it's, it's David Grebnik and Max Savage at the top and the way they run their teams. It's, um, I've never seen it before. We get together, you know, before the weekend and all meet. At the end of the weekend, we have a team meeting and we go through run by run. He even asks every single guy on the team, you know, any questions, any concerns, uh, anything you guys weren't happy with, any questions you have for me. And, you know, the guys will ask, like, what happened first round? What was going on there? And he gives feedback on all of it, which is just pretty cool to see um, a team connect that way. And, I mean, he goes from everything from, is there anything internally going on? Or are we getting along as a team? Do people have issues with it? Like, he wants to get to the core of it and make sure our team is connected and we're we are good to move forward because, you know, little things like that can hold a team back. If there's, you know, people not getting along, it's hard to move forward, especially with such a long season. We have 22 events in our season. And, you know, these guys are in tow cars together, um, sharing rooms together. We all are out on the road just weekend after weekend. And you have to make sure, you know, that we are one solid team. What was going on first round? I thought it was really interesting when you pulled up to take the solo run on the right side of the racetrack and then Joe Barlam and, and Ron Tobler pulled up behind you on the other side of the racetrack. And my initial thought was, okay, David's trying one thing, they're trying something, the two teams are trying to learn here and, and then you don't go down. Was that an experiment? I mean, did you guys look at that as maybe just a, a throwaway yeah. run so we can we could try it? We were, we were going for, you know, what we've been running all day. We were looking for a mid to high 70 run and that track was prepped so well after all the rain and and you know not being there for two years they 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 prepped that track it was an excellent condition and we went out we pushed hard the tire just stuck and it went up in smoke um honestly that run was probably most our, our most important run for the day because we learned everything in that run uh to be able to make it down the track the rest of the runs so honestly, that run was a blessing in disguise. We were so lucky we didn't have somebody there, but uh, we didn't plan to do that. We planned to get down there, uh, you know, running, like I said, a high, mid, high 70. But an experiment that paid off, that's what getting a buy run is for. Uh, you get a buy run, you can do something that you wouldn't normally do. And and I'm sure uh, David and Mac, it's like, let's see what this will do. Okay, it won't do that. Let's try something else. And the, the, rest, of, the rest of the day, you know, 78, 8. 77-0, That's super consistent in conditions that were rapidly changing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the final round against Steve Torrance. You were asked a couple of times about Steve, uh, you know, getting a little tricky on the starting line. I, I didn't notice anything that was terribly out of the ordinary, uh, but you were asked about it. Did you notice anything out of the ordinary? Yeah, I did. Uh, it was, it, you know, pulling up there. 
Um, we both put that pre-stage bulb on and we both waited a little while and then I went in and uh, he waited a little bit longer and put it in. He has every right to do that, that's fine. Um, and it was a long tree on top of it. So it did feel, I mean, when you're in that car, final round, waiting for that amber to turn on, it feels like just forever. So um, it, it just, it did feel really long. And like I said, it was probably one of my longest trees of the day um, until that amber popped up. So um, I had no problem with it. Uh, Steve always gets creative. He always does when he's up there. He always does something different. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. And, um, you know, we, we were able to, you know, get down there first. And that was the most important thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't see anything egregious. He might have been a second long or something. But like you say, when you're in that situation, everything seems like it's amplified. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you about the semifinal, though. Steve against Austin on the other side of the ladder. I mean, the all-force final round would have been cool if Austin gets there. Yeah. But I know how much you like racing Steve. Were you, do I like, is that almost mixed emotions when, you know, when Austin lost, it's kind of like, darn. Oh, good. Now I get to kick Steve's butt. <laughs> No, I mean, um, I obviously I would have rather had my teammate in the final. That is the ultimate goal every single weekend, uh, you know, for us to qualify well. And typically, you know, in the past, we've met too early on first round. And the goal is to meet final round. That's what we want to do. Um, that's the plan. And and yeah, going into, you know, halfway through race day, looking at how everything was laid out, I thought this is going to be an all force final, you know, all the way across the, the board. Uh, unfortunately, my you know my dad and Austin went out, but um, you know Robert and I doubled up, so uh, you can't you can't do much better than that. Yeah, having all four cars in the semifinals was definitely a, a, a statement for the team. I was a little bit surprised that Joe and I talked about it earlier. I know that you're not heavily involved on the other side, but were you a little surprised that the funny cars struggled so badly in qualifying, and then all of a sudden on Sunday it's like they flipped a switch? Yeah. Um... Absolutely. And even like, just to see, actually, you were not to remind me, I don't know where they qualified coming think of like, it. Uh, I don't remember what they ended 10th and 12th or something like that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a tough position going into race day. And then I'm pretty sure my dad was low of the session first round, uh, or had a killer number. Um, so to be able to make that turnaround uh, is pretty impressive on race day. Absolutely. And now you have two weeks off. Just what you don't want. You want to keep racing. We were just talking about it right as you were coming on. Like everything is working. You're feeling good. Let's take a break. Maybe everybody else, like in, in regular sports, uh, the other teams might call a timeout, right? Like when when momentum is sw shifting, they call a timeout to put the brakes on it. You definitely don't want that, but you got to deal with it this timeout. I know you're going to the Indy 500. You got some things planned. How do you bottle this and save it for Epping? Uh, it's, um, it's, it was, to be able to look into you know the next couple of weeks and that we have two weeks off, it's it's tough. Like I am still on such a high from Sunday, and I guarantee my whole team is on that same high. And to be able to have to just go home and have two weekends off, it's like, dang, I want to get back in that car. Uh, you want to just keep the momentum moving forward. Uh, you know, we've won three races this season. Um, it's the best we've done I've ever done in my career. And, um, you know, we're way ahead of where we were last season. So it's just we're on this build, this momentum, and we want to keep on going. And now we have two weeks off. So it's a little tough, but the energy will still be there when we get to the next one. What do you do with the two weeks? I know you're going to go to the Indy 500, but that's like one day out of two weeks. Are you going to personally take a little time and get away or you uh, you got it all laid out? 
No, no plans yet. Uh, we can off find something to do, but uh, uh, I'll be heading to Indy uh, Friday and spend the whole weekend there. Uh, my parents will be flying in. I get to see my sister and my niece Harlan. So excited to get there and, and you know go to an Indy Indy 500 event. Um, I only really get to one maybe once or twice a year, but it's fun just to you know get and completely drop yourself into a different world of motorsports. Being Indy cards. It's being out there. It's just so much fun, and it's so different from our sport. Um, excited to get there. And, and I wish on that, let note, you do a burnout on the pit road. That's, that's exactly my point, Alan. Like this is an it's always an opportunity. They'll probably put you on television. Points leader in the NHRA, most recent race winner. Obviously, Courtney and Graham, part of the family. Huge TV audience. Maybe the biggest single race on planet Earth. And you get to represent drag racing there. And I, I think that you can convert fans. You can bring on, if it's 10 or if it's 10,000, you can bring some new eyeballs to our sport. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I'm excited to head there. We don't have anything set up, um, you know, social media or like work related out there at the Indy 500. Um, I'm always open. I'll be there. So it'd be easy for me. Uh, a couple of my guys are coming out from, you know, my team will be there. So just we're going to go hang out and, and I'll probably, you know, document a lot of it throw it out on social media and uh hopefully that drives some fans into it and and crosses over into our sport yeah absolutely alan any final questions for Brittany, our points leader three-time winner and top fuel got both her paint schemes already into the winner's circle i just do you ever have a desire to would you like to like take graham's car for a couple of laps not necessarily go run the indy 500 but would you like to get into some other type of race car just to see how it feels well, I'll tell you, um, it was back in, I want to say 2017, I did a ride along with Kurt Busch and that was, it's, it's on the top of my list. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done. We were out at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and we did some laps and I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was the craziest thing I've ever done. I, you know, climbed in the car next to him and I thought for sure we are going to freaking roll this thing and yeah, we're really going to hit news lines, you know be all over the headlines when, you know, top field driver and, and Kurt Busch roll the car. Um, but it, that's, it's just a whole different world. It's not what I'm used to. I'm used to going straight and to be going round and round. It was just absolutely crazy. I think they're crazy. I know they think drag racing is crazy, but uh, those guys are nuts. But that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, I would do ride alongs. I'm always open to do something like that. But uh, top field, NHRA drag racing is home for me. Well, you know, they do have a two-seat IndyCar that Mario Andretti takes people for a ride in. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can get one. Did you, by the way, did you send Kurt a congratulations yesterday? Do you know, he, or, do you know he won the uh, cup race yeah. in, in Kansas on Sunday? Oh, okay. Awesome. That's cosmic energy right there. You and Kurt did the ride-along. You and Kurt won in the same weekend. Yeah, that's huge, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge yeah, weekend win cool. for him in the Jordan car. And I know Sarah's out there watching. Sarah, the Mario Andretti IndyCar ride-along experience. Get on there, Brittany. Sarah, Sarah, you never texted me back on Sunday. She usually has some very lively responses to my congratulatory text, and she didn't text me back on Sunday. <laughs> yes, and I could easily put her up on the screen right now, but I'm not going to do that to Sarah. I, I appreciate her efforts too much. <laughs> Brittany, any final thoughts, anything that we didn't ask you about that you wanted to point out? There are things sometimes that happen in the pits that we don't know about, something like a struggle or a happening or a guest or someone that you had that you want to highlight or point out uh, before we let you go. Yeah, um, you know, talking about, you know, everything that goes on, 
goes on in uh, in the pits, uh, the background that fans don't see. I'll tell you, there's some weekends where I'll pull into a weekend and, and you have a good feeling. You have a good feeling going into the race, whether you earn that number one qualifier or you run consistently or you end up winning the race. And then you have weekends where you just don't have that same feeling. And I'll tell you, for whatever reason, you can't get rid of it. It's just a gut feeling. And um, we ended up number one qualifier. And for me, it almost seemed like that number one qualifier, looking back on last season, it didn't seem to work for us. Uh, we had a ton of number one qualifiers, but we couldn't get the job done the next day uh, on Sunday. We couldn't get to that winter circle. So it's instantly number one qualifier. And I thought, oh, crap. Um, you know, it worked me in first round. Again, our car doesn't go down there. And I thought, gosh, this weekend, it just doesn't, I'm not, it's not, I, I don't have that momentum. Of, obviously, we have the confidence. I'm going to go out and do everything I can, but I'm just not feeling it. And then it was second round. Once we got past second round, I thought, okay, I think we might be good. Our car just pulled out a number, a 78, I think it was. And if we could continue to do that all day long, we should be pretty good. So um, I think that's kind of funny. It's just something about that number one that uh, it, it, it puts this little pit in my stomach. And it's just from, I think, you know, the last couple seasons. But uh, I hope that that turns it around after this last weekend um, that we were, you know, able to accomplish both number one and end up in that winner's circle. Uh, I also want to say, you mentioned it earlier, Joe, um, it's the first time we've gotten flavor packed in the winter circle all our cars have all our sponsors but it was actually the flavor pack car that we won the race with that's really exciting um you know our two wins this season were with monster energy and uh our one with one win last year when we doubled up with my dad in topeka was with monster so to be able to do it with flavor pack it was a very special win uh in richmond virginia for us yeah, well, you wanna you wanna know that both of the paint schemes, both of the wraps, are have equal uh, power out there yeah. on the racetrack, and they are both now capable of winning. Brittany, thank you very much for making the time. I know you're hustling around. We don't tell the audience behind the scenes like what's going on, but you went through a lot to make this one happen here today, oh, yeah. and I appreciate that. And uh, I, I know you guys. Well, thank you. And uh, you know, Reinhardt, he's family, and we got a bunch. I'm all posting in your the John Force Racing fan groups, and they got 80,000 people. And I'm like, hey, Brittany's going to be on watch and everything. And so thank you for uh, for making it happen. I appreciate thank it. You. Yeah. And Hannah, I have to mention one more thing before we get off. Speaking yes. of Reinhardt being family, didn't you catch the bouquet or garter or whatever it is at one of my sister's weddings? I did. Which sister was it? I can't remember now. Was it Ashley? Ashley. Yeah, it was okay. Ashley. Family. <laughs> family. Well, that doesn't work. So another myth goes down. If he caught the bouquet and Reinhardt's still just Reinhardt. He was at the family wedding. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. got, it was the garter, Joe. I didn't catch the bouquet. They throw the oh, bouquet. Oh, the garter. Yeah, right? It was right. the garter. Well, that means you're supposed to sell something. Something. Maybe it did. Never mind. There you go. Good job, Brittany. Thanks for taking us behind <laughs> the scenes. I'm just going to move forward. Reinhardt and a garter. Sounds like something. Brittany, thank you very much. Go enjoy your thank couple you. of weeks. And uh, thank you very much. Congratulations. Appreciate you. We'll see you in Epic. Take care. There she goes. Brittany Force with us here on WFO Radio. You caught the garter at the wedding. At Ashley's wedding, yeah. That's uh, that's something. Did you, like, elbow somebody? and Right in the chops. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Well, that was good. What is your takeaway from that uh, interview there, Alan? I think she's in a good spot mentally. No, I think, I mean, you know, kind of like what we talked about earlier, that 
she and the team are all, you know, they're all pulling in the same direction. They're, uh, they've really got just some very strong camaraderie and they've got some momentum and, and, you know, I don't, you'd be hard pressed right now if, you know, let, well, let me just put, throw this in your lap. What do you think is the weakest part of that team? Cause I don't think they have a weakness. I don't know. Hot weather tune-up, isn't it? That's for no. sure. And cold weather tune-up, isn't it? And, I mean, you know, Brittany's doing a great job behind the wheel. And I I just, I do not see a weak, you know, I, I don't see a weak link on the team. And that's how you win championships. That's how Steve's done it the last few years. Um, you know, that's how Tony Schumacher did it all those years with the Army. That's how, and uh, I just, I don't see a weak link on that team right now. They're going to be... I I don't believe that there will be anybody this year that wakes up Sunday morning and goes, oh boy, I get to race Brittany. I can't wait. Um, you know, it's and and as they continue to build on that success, then you kind of start making some of your own luck as well. And we've seen that over the years with Steve and with others when they get into when they get on a roll, when they get into a dominant force, the teams, the other teams will start pressing a little bit, get out of their comfort zone when they come up against you. And that's just another advantage. And I just, like I said, I, I do not see a weak link on that team right now. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how the other teams react. You just said it right. Like Capco playing from behind a little bit. I asked Brittany, does she feel like the favorite now uh, in the media center? And she gave a great, well thought out answer, but I feel like right now in this moment, she is the favorite. And uh, we'll see if these other teams can rally back. By the way, they did a great job giving her a race in the final round. She had lane choice. And um, those Capco boys are not done yet. And there's other teams, too. Like the right within Brittany's team, the Silver Stallions, Alan. The Silver Stallions, Barlam and Tobler. They were making a run. If they had won that race, the Silver Stallions would be all we were talking about. Because you see, people just like saying Silver Stallions. Over and over again. Everybody's saying it. Austin Proc is saying it. Silver Stallions. Over and over again. Tobler Barlow. I mean, I guess I guess it's better than old gray nags. Yes, old gray nags. <laughs> very bad. Silver Stallions. That's one that everybody is talking about. Like everybody that I I received at least five texts about the Silver Stallions when Austin Proc said Silver Stallions on the mic. And he said it on TV show too. I was just watching the TV show. Austin Proc is really working hard to push Silver Stallions, and I want to help him. I think it's good. Have at it. Have at it. Yeah, they are. Uh, not buying I, in on the Silver Stallions, Alan, or what? No. Can't wait till I, they win. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, we'll wait till they win. I, I do think, though, that that semifinal was really interesting because when, you know, when Brittany was in the final, and then it's like, okay, she's either going to run Austin or she's going to run Torrance. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm looking at that as if I'm Brittany. Obviously, if it's if it's Austin, then the team has already won. It's an all JFR final, which is a big deal. They haven't done that yet. Da, 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 it's huge. But if it's Steve, then she gets to just you know stomp on his foot one more time, or kick him in the shin one more time. And I think that I think that she really enjoys her head-to-head matchups with Steve, maybe more than anybody else uh, that's out there driving right now. Especially, obviously, when they go her way. Yeah. Well, and they have been. And that's the thing about confidence. So, you know, you, Pat Riley said, you know, you're never the guy until you're the guy. And I think we're seeing Brittany become the guy, except in this case, she's the girl. She's getting it done. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you for making the extra time. You are also on the road going through a little extra to make WFO happen. And I appreciate it. Yeah, I didn't go through any extra. I turned my computer on, logged into the hotel internet. Went, 
just like I do at the house, only I'm doing it from a hotel. Right. So parts unknown. And parts unknown. This is like I'll be doing for the next six weeks because, like I said, I don't believe I'm going home until June 28th. So that'll be interesting to watch the arc of Reinhardt over this uh, period between June More like a zigzag, actually. More like okay, a zigzag. Yeah. <laughs> like the stock market up, down, up, yeah. down. All right, Alan. Great job. All right. Well, enjoy. We will chat next week. I'm going to be in Cecil County, Maryland this weekend. If there's anybody in the neighborhood who wants to come out and check out some great Lucas Oil action, then come on down and join us. Absolutely. You should do it, guys. Go check out Reinhardt Divisional Racing. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Thanks, Ryan. Reinhardt. Appreciate you. See you, Joe. There he goes. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt. Joins us each week on WFO Radio. We're doing it at a slightly different time so we could get Brittany on the show, and she was great. That was great. All right, final comments in the comment section, guys. On anything that you heard us talk about, put some comments up there, and we will get to them. Uh, I do want to tell you about the people who make it possible for me to go WFO, and, and you might not need these guys right now, but maybe you do, or maybe you will. We certainly appreciate Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. Where did Brittany go to learn to drive, right? FrankHawley.com. But they've got a program called the Dragster Adventure where you can drive a dragster. Think about that. You driving a dragster with Frank Hawley. Amazing. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Engine block, cylinder head. They've got CNC programs. They've got motorsport EFI tuning. They really do it all at samtech.edu. Call and get Brian Massengill on the phone. Tell him you heard about it on WFO Radio. Marvin Rodak, it's just coffee, baby. It's craft roasted coffee, fresh per your order. All around the world, hot sauces and spice rubs and grills and tools and tips and information. If you want to buy a smoker, you're down there in Fort Worth, Texas. You can do it. But I am all, when you see me in my WFO radio mug that I just got, just got it in the WFO store. Everybody else has had a WFO mug except for me. I had to get one. I'm always drinking Rodax coffee. Call him, 817-924-6821. PhillipsConnect.com. This is a technology company. This is more for bigger businesses. But what we're doing is to, not necessarily though, maybe you, you sell trailers, maybe you are in the fleet industry, maybe you are uh, got trucks going over the road, can help you stay connected and keep the loads safe in the trucks, in the trailers by connecting them, frankly, or having like a remote pre-check system. There's just so many different systems available. Phillips-connect.com on board with Justin Ashley, of course. Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. If you haven't heard the latest episodes of Hidden Horsepower, it's an audio-only podcast, but they are on social, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. But Hidden Horsepower, you're going to learn so much. Like the most recent episode, High Dollar Demolition Derby. Demo Derby for 50 grand. Suddenly you got to build the engine a little differently. You got to make the engine live in some difficult circumstances, like without water. How do you do that? We talk about it on Hidden Horsepower. Pretty amazing. VPRacingFuels.com. Go to VPRacingFuels and sign up for their newsletter. But they have uh, you know, lubricants, of course, fuel additives for you and your car driving down the road. But they are also known for their racing fuels. And we're going to have Freddie on here in the coming weeks to talk about why they're different. But I can tell you the reason they're different is they make, uh, it's like craft brew, small batch. It's not like a macro. It's a small batch racing fuel. And the racers love it. VPRacingFuels.com. Check them out. And then there's FTIPerformance.com. Of course, you're watching online, so I give the website. Torque converters, transmissions, 
not just for bracket cars, not just for big money bracket cars, not just for dot 90 cars like the ones that won out there this past weekend, but also monster trucks, mega trucks, high horsepower street cars, pro modified machines. Go to FTIPerformance.com and have a look at what they do. It's very amazing to watch them take over the world of NHRA drag racing. If you'd like to become a member of the show, VIP listener club, patreon.com slash WFO radio, sign up and there are benefits, but really the community is the great benefit. You know, you're helping WFO radio and you are working behind the scenes, kind of getting a little extra. And I also want to mention our friends at CIP1.com, California Import Parts. If you don't know CIP1, it's really for air-cooled VW, VW bus, that kind of stuff. They've got a sale going on, CIP1, through May 31st. They're calling it May Days. And uh, 20 to 25% off on their most popular parts for your Volkswagens. 60% off on some of their clearance items. So go to CIP1.com to find out more information. And that's, you know, KI on Hartford's team. The guy's got an amazing business for the Volkswagen people. And there is a, it's a cult, as you know. It's a cult of Volkswagen, the people who love them. They're really cool, all of them. Also want to remind you guys, we've got our free mobile application. The link is in the chat section right at the top. We have updated it. And now I'm under the impression, not only... We have the audio-only archive. We've got the video archive. But I think you can watch the videos live live in the video archive, which is something that did not happen in the past, which is why sometimes you got to do these updates. So download the WFO Radio mobile app and enable push notifications. That way you never miss anything we do. It's all right there on your phone. In one spot, the WFO app. Most importantly, enable push notifications. That's when I, when I say meetup happening at the 1,000-foot mark. At so-and-so track, you can meet up with us. It'll be great. All right, let's see what everybody's got to say as we get ready to get on out of here on WFO. Kind of a long show. Struggle to get Brittany on. Technical glitches. Monica, great show today. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. She's one of our Patreons. Always there listening and watching and hanging out. She and AJ. Informative and interesting show again. Thank you, Frank. Frank, this is what we try to do. We're on a lot. We got the Ignition show. We do this show. Tomorrow, are we going to have Robert Height? Robert, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Just got that right now. Tomorrow, Robert Height. What's Robert's side of the story? We'll find out tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And then I'm going to reach out to Matt Smith for Thursday. So we can spend the next two weeks kind of getting ahead. Catch up with Erica Enders. Blake wanted to know when Erica is going to be on. Either next week or the week after. But we're going to have Erica to talk about that historic run out in Houston. No doubt. Let's see. The Wonder Wagon. Brittany has the talent to win, the head for business, and the personality and face to grow the sport. I agree, which is why I had to mention that IndyCar thing. And yes, hey, IndyCar friends, Brittany Force should absolutely be in the two-seater with Mario Andretti. Can we make it happen? Merch link working now on Android. Yeah, we fixed it up. Everything isn't always perfect initially, but we work really hard to make it perfect. And that's how I got this coffee mug. The story behind the coffee mug is this. I'm testing the new app. We have a connection to the merch store where you can get T-shirts and different sized logo T-shirts and coffee mugs. And I bought the mug through the app. Three clicks. Yes, yes, yes. Apple Pay out the door. Woo! That's, that's cooking with gas. 
Mark Jones. What's up, Mark? Hey, Joe, cutting that grass, making that cash, trying to make the Dallas double. What's up, Mark? Mark was on the show a couple of weeks ago, right at the very beginning. He won with a WFO radio sticker on his car. David Eaton is going to be the next to do it. David, he's like, the first time he and I talked, it's the first time. It's We got so many racers, guys. It's really a challenge. So many racers. And sometimes it's just weird luck that you don't catch up with one of them. And David is one of them. Hadn't really spoken with him. And he informs me that he is a die hard WFO radio listener. Same deal. Out there on a tractor. Kind of like mowing the lawn, but bigger. And listens to all the shows. And thank you guys. Like it mean, it means the world. I can't overstate that. It means the world. Top end charge, Britney forces car. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Merch link working. Lonnie, great show. Thank you. Steven, great show. AJ, great show. Oh, you guys are just sucking up now. Maybe a cardboard uh, cutout of the Mustang for when you log in at the hotel. Yeah, talking to Reinhardt. Awesome. And that actually tripped my memory. What do I have? I have mail. It's mail time. Everybody likes unboxing. We're not going to unbox. We're going to open mail. This one coming from the Galvin family, Jason Galvin. Look at this cool stuff he sent me. You know, these Bob Uncafer stickers were out there. And he's like, do you, would you like a couple of these? And I was like, absolutely, I would. And so these are going to go up in the studio. But then there's this. And I hope I have the technology to open this on the air without a razor. Because, you know, I'm starting an endeavor right here that might not be able to, to do it. Right. Costello starts to unbox something on the air and then he can't do it because I don't have a razor. So you're going to see me do some, uh, you know, crazy stuff here. Don't worry. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I've started down a road that I can't finish. Like what's in here? I know we all want to know. So let's watch Britney Force's final round. And when you come back, it'll be open. The final round of Top Fuel Eliminator at this wild Virginia Nationals at Virginia Motorsports Park. They leave identically. They get to the finish line stripe. It's Brittany Force, 377-0, 334 miles an hour. It's a John Forrest Racing double up. And if there's any doubt, and I don't think there was, these guys and girls are for real. Well, three of the last four Wallies of this season have gone home with Brittany Force. And Brittany, how would you describe this era for yourself? Uh, this has been our greatest season yet to come on this strong with this many wins. This flavor pack team, we finally won in our flavor pack car. I'm so excited and we got off to, I mean, we were number one qualifier. And coming out this morning when first round we blew the tires off the thing, it's hard to get confident after a run like that when there's heat all day. And then we just kept stepping up our runs. So this Wally right here is for David Grubnick because he makes the impossible happen. Thank you to all my guys. Thank you to the fans. When you go back to the starting line, was there any moment that you felt like you were being hung out there? Well, it's Steve, so he's, he always pulls a little something. That's how he drives. That's fine. Uh, I just prepare myself for it. And really, preparing is going up there, not thinking about it, not letting it distract you, and uh, finding that amber and stepping on it. So, feels good. Uh, thank you to my sponsors, Flavor Pack, Monster Energy, NK Seeds, Team Chevrolet, and um, the list goes on. But um, 
Thank you again. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to my team. Brittany Force. How great was that? We just heard from Brittany and we saw the Fox Sports broadcast. Brian Loans, Amanda Busick, Tony Pedregon, everybody doing such a great job. And you know, if you could have seen me wrestling with that package here behind the scenes, like if you could have seen me wrestling, I don't know. I think the numbers would have gone way up. It would have gone For viral. more than a decade. Oh, I don't know what's going on has there. to become the leader there in the go. aftermarket performance Uh-oh. transmission and converter. I don't even know where that's coming from. We've guys. joined forces with but McLeod we'll driveline components under the leadership of top fuel funding car pilot, Paul and Lee, this. and now have a larger distribution network, more resources. And- wrestling against the package. I caused something to go off, but nobody cares about that, right? It's live. We're live. Keith, one of our Patreons, had these, and he sent these to go up in the WFO radio studio. You ready? Bang. Winston Drag Racing, Points Meet, Poster, West Palm Beach, Florida, Moroso Motorsports Park. Look at that. That is incredible. Thank you so much for sending this. Like This is drag racing History. Now, I was probably at this event. Who's on here? So it says Alki. It's kind of like, uh, and I bet you John Jaduga did these pieces of artwork. That is incredible that he would actually, Winston Drag Racing, you know, super stock. We had super gas. Like, this is awesome. Thank you for that. Now, you know, I couldn't bend them. Couldn't bend them. So that's why I was wrestling. And this one, next one. Ready? Here we go. Bang. Moroso Motorsports Park, another points meet poster. How cool is this? Keith, thank you very much for sending these. They're going to go up in the wall uh, right next to my, uh, you know, Challenge 77 poster. I love these posters. Like this is drag racing history. But to me, it's very special because Moroso Motorsports Park, we're fighting to save it. We're fighting to save Moroso Motorsports Park, a.k.a. Palm Beach International Raceway. And uh, I do want to tell everybody there's a news story. And I don't know if it's uh, like that's got like Jerry Caminito's car right there. I don't know if it's. It's like a fake or it's real. Like, I know it's real. They say they're going to build a racing facility 20 minutes north of Moroso Motorsports Park. Now, I want to get those folks on here for an interview. To get the real information. Multiple road courses, a drag strip, like is it a quarter mile drag strip? Like, you know, I that's what I got to know. But maybe we're going to have a facility here in South relative. It's not 40 minutes north of Palm Beach isn't exactly South Florida anymore, but it's better than nothing. And this is that formula racing group that was in on the bidding for PBIR and lost out by a considerable amount of money, but they made a significant bid. They're going to take that money and they're going to build a new facility, which maybe could be a good thing. Someone asked me if Florida could hold, could, could handle two national events. And the answer is we're the third most populous state in the union. We have a lot of people here. And if you were south of Gainesville, you could definitely, if they built a track that could hold a national event, they could sell out a national event. No doubt. Let's see what people have to say. Scott, thumbs up. Loves the coffee mug. 
Love the vintage artwork on the poster. Some cool history. Yeah, I think it's John Jaduga who did that. John has been on the show. If you want John's book, it is in the WFO store. It is in the WFO store. A work of art. Drive my life away listening to WFO. The poster has my birthday on it. What, June 3rd and 4th? The other one? Hey, Robert. Figured you'd be thrilled about the news about the new track. Cautiously optimistic. I'm sorry. I'm tough when it comes to that. They have announced it. We've shared the information. I've spoken with the gentleman. His name is Al. But I want to know what they're going to do. For me, if you're building a drag strip from scratch, don't build an eighth mile track. You got to build a quarter mile track. You got to try to have an NHRA event there, a points meet. You got to have an NHRA sanction. You got to have a points meet. You got to try for a national. You got to bring professional drag racing south of Orlando. And I think that's possible. So, yes, there was good news. And I reached out to Madeline Marconi and I said to her, does this mean we stop fighting to save PBIR? She said, no. And I, I got worried. I was like, you know, maybe this is to trick us, to call us off. So we're going to come September. We're going back to the meeting. We're still going to make sure everybody knows how important it is to have a drag strip in our community. But there you go. Thanks to Keith for this. This is, this is great. The track where I won my track championships. The one that matters most to me. Super pro. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks to Brittany Force. Thanks to everybody who hung on. This is a long show. Hour and a half. But we appreciate you. You know, live is live. Sometimes it goes sideways, right? Sometimes you got to wrestle a package. But we absolutely did. And we'll see you tomorrow. One o'clock with Robert Height. WFO. <laughs>